Thrilling Adventures of the Shadow are on the air. Brought to you each week at this time by your neighborhood Blue Coal dealer. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. One of the chief weapons in the arsenal of winter is deception. Warm days may lull you into a false security. Well, don't be fooled. There are weeks of bitter weather ahead. Be prepared with Blue Coal. This excellent home fuel always does a grand job, and especially during changeable weather, because it burns evenly and slowly. Keeps every room at a cozy, comfortable temperature, regardless of the weather outside. Get in touch with your Blue Coal dealer right away. Place your order now. Remember that railroad facilities are urgently needed for military supplies. So it's wise to play safe and be prepared. Phone your Blue Coal dealer tomorrow morning. The shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Several years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The secret of hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, Death Speaks Twice. The time, nearly midnight. The place, the state penitentiary. Thousands of weary bodies and tortured souls have found temporary refuge in sleep. Suddenly, from one of the cell blocks, the silence is disturbed by... Framed. Framed. You were framed, Paul. Shut up. Shut up, will you? You yeller. You were framed and you know it. And you're afraid to do anything about it. What is there to do about it? You won't be out of here for two more years. Maybe yes. Maybe no. Meaning? Meaning I found a way out of this cracker box pen. No. No, I told you before, I, I'm not going to break out of here. So you want to do your full time, huh? Just an honest embezzler. For the last time, I'm telling you I had nothing to do with any embezzlement. Sure, Paul, sure, I know. Your Uncle George Bartow framed you, and you're too scared to do anything about it. But I'm going to do something, something to pay him back for the life rap he gave me. Oh, talk is cheap. Yeah, you're right. But once we're outside... Sorry, Marty. I said I wasn't interested in escape. Okay. Have it your way, then. Good night, kid. Good night. Ah, prison beds are hard, ain't they, kid? Yeah. Yeah. Say, uh, it's too bad about that good-looking dame whose picture you got on the wall there. Peggy Sanders? 
What about her? Suppose I were to tell you that I know she's Judge Bartow's ward. Where'd you find that out? Oh, there's ways, even in prison. Suppose I told you that I heard that your girlfriend, Peggy, is going to marry your stepbrother next week. Going to marry Edwin? Oh, no, no. She wouldn't. She, she loves me. Maybe your uncle, the good judge, used some pressure. Maybe he's forcing her to marry Edwin. <laughs> it shouldn't be too hard now to talk her out of marrying a jailbird. Shut up, Marty. Shut up. Okay, okay. So I'm talking too much, eh? <laughs> Ah, good night, kid. You know, you, you're a fool to try to make that prison break, Marty. <laughs> Strictly. Yeah. You think you can make it? I told you it was a cinch. All right. I'm going with you, Marty. There's something I've got to attend to outside. kid. Everything's set. When it starts, we head for the far wall under the watchtower. I can't see how we're going to get away with it. Yeah, now watch it. The screws keep moving. Right. Now here's the way we work it. We're going to get a little help from the boys. When I give them the signal, they're going to start a little commotion down at that end of the yard. Yeah. That's our cue to head for the watchtower. We won't even be noticed. The guards will be busy with that phony fight. Uh-huh. Now this is it, kid. All right, boys. Chip it. Gotcha. Hey, you keep your hands together. Break it up, man. Break it up. Break it up. Break it up. Not too fast, kid. That guard there has got his eye on us. He's suspicious. He's coming towards us. Keep moving, keep moving. If he tries to stop us, I'll take care of him. Where'd you get that knife? Never mind. Just a moment, you two. Oh, anything on your mind, God? You heard the whistle. Now get back to the exercise field and line up. Sure, sure. Oh, you've killed him. I'm a little out of practice, but judging by my past experience, I think I've done just that. Murder. Sure, sure. Come on, kid. Let's get moving. Now, here. Here, help me lift this stone. Come on. Give me a hand. Don't stand there. Oh, oh all right, uh... All right. It covers the entrance to an old water main. Leads into a stream outside the grounds. Once we're out, we're in the clear. Yeah. Now, there's the hole. Come on, in you go. No. No. Hey. I've changed my mind. Oh, it's too late to rat on me now, kid. You're going through with this. Now, get in there. No, Marty. I'll wait. If I get out of here and find my Uncle Judge Bart, I was framed that marriage, I'll get him then. I said you were yellow before, and I say it now. You're going through with this kid. Right into my arms, Junior. Now I'll drag you through that tunnel. And when you come to, I'll flip you to see who kills the judge. The two convicts who today escaped from the state prison through an abandoned water main after having killed a guard have not yet been apprehended. The men are life of Marty Lagarde and his cellmate, Paul Bardo who, ironically enough, is a nephew of Judge Bartow, who sentenced them both to prison. Nothing new both on the radio. Both men were wearing convicts. And there it is, Margot. That's the reason for the urgent phone call from Edwin to come to Cliff House. Why, on account of the prison break? Uh-huh. They fear that Paul has broken out to avenge himself on his uncle, Judge Bartow. I'm trying to believe that all three secretly fear that they're in for danger. 
All three, Lamont. Mm. Judge Bartow, his ward, Peggy Sanders, and Paul's stepbrother, Edwin. You know, Margot, this whole business puzzles me. I knew Paul Bartow before he was sent to prison. He's not a killer. Not the criminal type at all. Well, Lamont, wasn't there some talk at the time of his trial that his uncle deliberately sent him up to prison to get him out of the way? Mm-hmm. But even so, I still can't believe Paul would do anything to his uncle. Well, from the little bit I've seen of dear old uncle, I figured him to be rather an unpleasant person. Well, perhaps a better word would be hasty, Margot. You see, five years ago, his verdict against Paul on the embezzlement charge was... I don't know. Somebody right up ahead signaling with a flashlight for us to stop. Well, do you think we'd better, Lamont, at this time of night? Oh, don't worry, Margot. That's you, Lamont? Yes. Oh, hello, Edwin. Edwin? Paul's stepbrother? Right. Good to see you, Lamont. Hello, Margot. Hello, Edwin. Lamont, Paul is up at the house now. Oh, I see. Is your uncle in the house, too? Yes, Uncle John is there with Peggy. Oh, how is Peggy? I haven't seen her lately. She's fine, Margot. Lamont, things are very serious. Paul has accused Uncle John of trying to force Peggy to marry me. Of course, that's ridiculous. Well, knowing your uncle as I do... Well, Lamont, you know me, too. Think I'm the kind of a man who double-crossed someone I like as much as I do Paul? Believe me, Peggy loves me now. Even if Paul never had been sent to prison, she'd still love me. I see. But Paul doesn't understand that. Well, if that's true, it shouldn't be hard to make him understand it. Margot, four and a half years of prison can do a great deal to warp a man. Uh, just what did you want me to come here for, Edwin? Well, I thought that you could reason with him, Lamont. You could persuade him to go back to prison and finish his term. That's a big order. You can do it, Lamont. He knows you and he respects you. Well, I'll see what I can do. But uh, Meanwhile, Edwin, uh, what about Marty Lagord? Oh? Uh, Paul's cellmate who made the break with him. Oh, I don't know anything about that. As a matter of fact, Lamont, I haven't spoken directly to Paul. I've just heard him talking to Uncle John in the library. Well, let's get up to the house, Edwin. See what we can do about this problem of yours. Peggy! Oh, Peggy! She's probably locked herself in a room. She said she didn't want to face Paul again. I can't say I blame her. Paul must still be in the library with Uncle John. It's right this way, Lamont. Uh, just a minute, Edwin. Wouldn't it be better if we told Paul that we're here first? Very well. Just a moment. You keep quiet. I don't want to hear any more. I won't keep quiet. You, you seem to be arguing. Yes, I, I don't think it'd be advisable to go in now. Don't raise your voice in my presence, Paul. I'm sick of listening to your lies. You've done enough to me already. You hear? You're not going to do it. I swear you won't do it. Stop shouting. I'll shut the roots up if it pleases me. I Get think out of we'd room. better go in Get now. Get out of this house. This is the last time you threaten me. Oh, what are you doing? Oh! Come on. Come on, those shots. Come on. Let's go in. Where are they? Paul must have gone out through that open window. <gasps> Lamont! Here, Cranston, here on the floor. All right, just a minute now. Better let me examine him, Edwin. Uncle John. Your uncle is dead, Edwin. Paul's murdered him, Lamont. I knew he would. No, no, no. Get hold of yourself, Edwin. Let's get hold of myself. All right, now. Go downstairs. Phone for the police. All right. All right, Lamont, but it's a little late for them. Oh, it seems you were wrong, Lamont, about Paul. Yes. Looks like I was, Margot. Say, here's something interesting. What is it, Lamont? This window is at least three feet from the ground. If Paul jumped through here, he should have left footprints in the soft earth outside. I should think so. Well, there are no footprints out there. All of which means he's still in the house. What was that? 
That's Edwin calling. I guess you were right after all, Margot. Paul must still be in the house. Come on. Thought you'd never find me way down here in the cellar. Are you all right, Edwin? Yes, I'm all right now. Well, what happened, Edwin? Paul tried to kill me. As I was calling the police, I heard a sound down here in the cellar, and I came down to investigate. Paul fired at me. Well, where is he now? I don't know. He could have escaped by that open window there. Well, Edwin, I'm convinced now that your stepbrother, Paul... Oh, oh! Down! Down, both of you! He's still here. Lamont, you've been shot. I'm all right, Margo. I'm all right. Lamont! Lamont! He's dead! Paul's killed him! In a moment, we'll continue with Act Two of Death Speaks Twice. You've heard the phrase, too little and too late. Did you ever think that might apply to you in the matter of heating your home? Too little coal on hand and the need realized too late. Don't let that happen to you. Shift the problem right now to the shoulders of your blue coal dealer. Get in touch with him. Tell him how much coal you have on hand and let him estimate what you'll need and take care of that need now. Blue coal, you know, is especially efficient because it's prepared particularly for home heating. It is delivered to your home in exactly the right size to suit the requirements of your furnace. There's nothing hit or miss about it. And for this reason, you enjoy more comfortable heating with blue coal. Every room in the house is kept at just the right temperature for both health and comfort. Not only that, but you'll save money, too. Yes, and here's something else. With the addition of the Blue Coal Automatic Heat Regulator, you'll also find you save time and effort in heating your home. The regulator will save you countless trips up and downstairs. When you talk to your Blue Coal dealer, ask him about the Blue Coal Heat Regulator. He'll tell you all about it and show you how it will save fuel and save steps for you. Call him tomorrow. He's listed under the words Blue Coal in the yellow section of your classified phone directory. Now... Back to the shadow. Now just lie still, Lamont. Where's Edwin? Is he all right? Yes, he's gone to get the doctor. And Paul? He's escaped. Uh, How did I get up here? Edwin carried you up here to Peggy's room. What's that? My son... Sounds like he's coming from that closet. I'll see. No, don't try to get up, Lamont. I'm all right, Margot. Lamont, please. Oh, it's Peggy. Here, here, quick, Margot. Untie her. Take that gag out of her mouth. All right. Wait a minute now. Let's see if I can get this untied. There. Oh, oh Lamont, Margot. Oh, thank heavens. Lamont, she's going to faint. Here, Peggy, may I? No. I'm, I'm all right now. You, Lamont, you've been shot. It's nothing, Peggy, just a flesh wound. How did it happen? Paul fired at him. Oh, no, no. Yes, Peggy, I I think he did. I was afraid. I was afraid. Oh, Peggy, you better sit down. Thank you. There, now. How do you feel? Well enough to tell us what happened? I don't remember much. I was downstairs, and there was a knock at the door. When I opened it, Paul was standing there. And another man... An ugly, terrible-looking man. Did Paul call this man's name? I... I don't remember. Marty Lagort? I don't think he called him by name, Margot. Paul asked where Uncle was. He was acting so strangely. He hardly recognized me. I was afraid to tell him, but he hurried Uncle in the library and forced his way in. Did this other man go with him? No, he didn't. He clamped his hand over my mouth and started choking me. 
I, I guess I must have fainted because that's all I remember until you found me in the closet. Well, Peggy, did you know that your uncle was murdered? No. No, that can't be. Who would want to... It wasn't Paul. No. No, it couldn't have been Paul. You hear me? Well, Cranston, we checked the gun against the bullets that were used to kill Judge Bartow, and this is the murder weapon, all right? There's no doubt in my mind, Commissioner Weston, that Paul did it. No. No, Edwin, you mustn't say that. Well, it's true, Peggy. Uh, Commissioner, I think that... Cranston, this is an open and shut case. Paul Bartow murdered his uncle, and that's that. Now, if we can just... Pay attention. I bid two clubs. Oh, I'm sorry. I bid two spades. What's that? You know, I'm sorry, but... I'm so nervous I must have switched on the recording machine by mistake. Those voices on that wreck familiar? Well, they ought to be, Margot. They're yours and Lamont's. What goes here? Oh, it's just a little hobby of mine. I have a recording machine. I like to catch fragments of conversation and play them back later, just as a joke. Ah. I made that record of you and Lamont over a year ago, Margot. Aha! Keeping a permanent record that I don't pay attention when playing bridge. Well, this isn't getting us anyplace. Miss Saunders, you've known Paul Borto since he was in childhood. Now, where do you think... I know he's still somewhere in the neighborhood. Hide. Well, he... Why, I wouldn't know. Uh, Commissioner, if you'll forgive me, you do know that Marty Lagord escaped with Paul Bartow. That I do. Well, it may have been Lagord who murdered Judge Bartow and took that pot shot at me. After all, Lagord had equal motive to kill Judge Bartow. Now, look, Cranston, I'm convinced it was Paul Bartow. I'm going to send out an alarm and I'll have him here in 24 hours. Oh, Margot. Keep watch at that window, will you please? I'm sure that Peggy Sanders will try to leave this house tonight. I'm going to follow her. She knows where Paul would be hiding. So that's why she acted so strangely when Commissioner Weston questioned her this afternoon. It was obvious that she was covering up. Well, then you think that she's still in love with Paul. I'm sure of it. In spite of what Edwin says, she's... Wait a minute. Lamont, you're right. Peggy's just slipped out the side, and she's taking the path that leads down to the ocean. I... I'm going to follow her. Oh, no, you're not. The doctor said you're not to leave this room. But I've got to follow her, Margot. Suppose I follow her, Lamont. Oh, it's too dangerous for you. If I were afraid of danger, I wouldn't pal around with you. I'm going after Now, Margot, you... And you're staying right where you are. You know, Marty, my... My head hurts. I told you, Paul, you hurt it when you fell down. Ah, uh, how did how did we get here? You brought me here. Funny, I I don't remember anything after we made that present break. Funny though, this place—it's a cave. This cave and this beach look very familiar. That yeah, they ought to. You grew up around here, back up there in the cliff, is your uncle's house. Oh, I I remember now. Peggy and I used to play here when we were kids. Hey, now, look, we haven't eaten for 17 hours. I'm going to go and get us some grub. Oh, they'll spot you in a minute in those prison clothes. Not if I stay out of sight. I'll be back in an hour. Huh? Oh. oh. My head hurts. Everything's so jumbled up. Paul? Huh? Paul! What was that? Oh, Paul. Oh, Peggy. Oh, my darling. I waited until that man left. Paul, you look ill. Hey, it's just my head. Marty said I fell. Did he bring you here? Yes. No, no, he... No, I brought him here. I, 
I don't remember. It's, a, it's so hard to think. Oh, you've got to get away from here. They're going to arrest you for Uncle John's murder. Uncle, Uncle John's murder? Yes. I don't remember. I, I wanted to. He was forcing one. Paul, did you kill him? I don't know, Peggy. Maybe I did. I. Who's that? Who did you bring with you? Well, I didn't bring... Margot Lane, you followed me here. Yes, Peggy, forgive me for spying on you, but I want to help you. You can help me by not mentioning this to anyone. Well, what will you do? I'm going to help Paul get away from the police. Oh, running away won't help. He'll be caught eventually. She's right, Peg. It's useless. We can't stay in this cave forever. Margot, Judge Bartow tried to poison my mind, make me hate Paul, make me marry Edwin. But I can't. That's a sad story, Miss Sanders. Oh, Marty. Yeah, Paul, your old friend Marty. It was nice of you to invite company to our hideout cave while I was gone. Too bad you're not going to be around to enjoy it. What do you mean? I mean that I just called Commissioner Weston on the phone and made a deal with him. If I bring you in, they'll go easy on me when the case comes to trial. What? You're clever, aren't you, Marty? Sure I am. My story that I told the commissioner on the phone was that I tried to keep you from breaking jail. And when you did go, I went after you to bring you back. (laughs) Simple enough? Just a little too simple, Marty Lagorte. Oh, so you got a gun. Why, you don't think that I'm going to be afraid Stop of... Stop coming toward me, or I'll fire. A dame with a little pop gun. I warned you. Hey, your little pop gun won't work, eh? That's too bad. Now I'm boss around here. I give the orders and my revolver works. <laughs> what? Marty Lagorte. Hey, who said that? The shadow, Marty Lagorte. Don't look for me. The shadow cannot be seen. What do you want of me, shadow? I want to commend the leopard who changed his spots. So you're working for the police, eh, Marty? Uh, Sure. Sure, that's right. Good for you. Shadow, you don't understand. I understand perfectly, Miss Lane. Come, Marty. We're all going back to Cliff House where Commissioner Weston and Edwin Bartow are waiting for you. Hey, now, wait a minute. I... Don't you understand, Marty? Bring your prisoner back to the police and receive the reward for your efforts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Shadow. After all, I am working for the police. But, Shadow... This should be interesting, Miss Lane. And quite surprising. Marty Lagarde promised that he'd be here in 15 minutes. And he said he was bringing Paul with him? Yeah, I don't get it. Here's this lifer, Marty Lagorte, turning straight and helping the police. All right, get in there, you. Well, Marty, I see you brought Paul Bartow with you and Miss Lane and Miss Saunders. Hey, Commissioner, here's your prisoner. Why don't you say something, Paul? Defend yourself. Oh, what's the use, Peg? I haven't a chance. <laughs> Not a chance, Paul Bartow. The law gives every man a chance. Shadow, what are you doing here? The shadow. Thought I might be of some assistance, Commissioner. Well, you're too late. I've already solved this crime. Sure of that, are you? I've got a corpse, witnesses, and the murderer. What more do you want? Who is the murderer? This fellow here, Paul Bartow. That's where you're wrong, Commissioner. Now listen, Shadow, this is an open and shut case. I agree with you. You do? Well, that's very nice. You agree. The murderer is right in this room. But he isn't Paul Bartow. Now look, Shadow, my witnesses heard Paul Bartow threaten to shoot his uncle, and they heard the shots. Did it sound like this? I'm sick of listening to your lies. You've done enough to me already, do you hear? You're not going to do it. I swear you won't do it. Stop shouting. Turn that off. Turn it off. Shout to the rooftops if that pleases me. You can't stop me. Get out of this room. Get out of this house. This is the last time you threaten me. Paul, what are you doing? Paul! 
that what your witness heard, Commissioner? What was that? A recording. Played from that loudspeaker concealed in the wall. A recording that was devised by the real murderer, Edwin Bartow, to make his stepbrother, Paul, look guilty. No, no, I don't know... Don't know anything about it. Edwin, with the aid of his accomplice, Marty Lagorde. Edwin, you... Stop Lagorde, Commissioner. He's trying to get away. Stop or I'll fire. I kill him? No, Commissioner. He'll live to pay his debt to society. As for our friend Edwin Bartow, I think you'll have no trouble getting a confession out of him now. Come in. Thank you. Well? Good news, Marlow. Edwin Bartow confessed to everything, even the embezzlement. Marty Lagorte confessed to killing the prison guard and attempting to kill me in the cellar that night. Paul will be a free man any day now. And uh, Peggy was at police headquarters this morning. I don't believe I've ever seen anyone as happy as she is. Oh, I'm so glad, Lamont. Well, I guess I'll be running along now. You see, I oh, have... Oh, wait a minute, Lamont. What? You promised to tell me all about the case as soon as it was cleared up. But you know the whole thing, Margot. Edwin had killed Judge Bartow before we even got there that night. The quarrel we heard was a recording that Edwin had made a long time ago of a dispute between his uncle and Paul. He played it for us to make us witnesses against his stepbrother. And Paul wasn't even in the house at the time? No, poor chap. The crack that Marty Lagorte had given him over the head when they broke prison had given him temporary loss of memory. He was in the cave unconscious while Edwin and Marty Lagorte carefully built up a case of murder against him. What did Marty Lagorde hope to gain by helping Edwin? His parole for catching a so-called murderer. Edwin had talked him into uh, persuading Paul to escape. You see, they needed their framed murderer close to the scene of the crime to definitely pin the crime on him. Came close to succeeding, Lamont. Yes, Margot, much too close. But you know, there's an old saying that murder will out. No matter how cunningly planned or brilliantly executed, murder has a way of pointing to the guilty one, and demanding payment. An important real-life drama of America at War will be presented immediately after a message from John Barclay, Blue Coal's distinguished home heating expert. Mr. Barclay. Thank you, Ken Roberts, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. On blustery, windy days like we've been having lately... I sometimes hear folks say, we just can't seem to get our house warm, yet we burn plenty of coal. Well, friends, most likely they're losing all the heat up the chimney instead of getting it in their rooms where they need it. That may sound serious, but it's really easy to overcome. Nine times out of ten, it's due to the turn damper being set wrong. And this can be corrected in a jiffy. So if you are getting all the nice, cozy warmth and comfort you want in your home, just do this. Call your blue coal dealer and tell him about it. He'll send a John Barclay serviceman right over to help you. You see, this man's whole job is to look over your heating plant, find out what is wrong, and tell you how to fix it. He sincerely wants you to get all the useful heat possible from the coal you burn. And remember, this friendly blue coal service is yours for the asking. So if you have heating troubles of any kind, by all means, call your neighborhood blue coal dealer and ask him to send his John Barclay serviceman. Thank you.
The Shadow Program is based on a story copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications. The characters, names, places, and plot are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. What are you doing to aid civilian defense? I'm an air raid warden. I'm helping the Red Cross. I'm an auxiliary firefighter. Every civilian, regardless of training, regardless of occupation, has a place waiting for him in civilian defense. Don't be a shirker. Don't expect your neighbors to do the whole job. Get in touch right away, today or tomorrow, with your local civilian defense headquarters. You'll find there is a place for you in America's all-out war effort. Remember that it's up to you to help prove to the gangster nations that in the world, just as in the community... The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, your friendly blue coal dealer brings you another strange and thrilling adventure in the shadow's daring battle against the forces of evil. Be sure to listen. And be sure to phone your neighborhood blue coal dealer for greater heating comfort at less cost. Remember, keep the home fires burning with blue coal. This story was produced by the DLW Coal Company, distributors of blue coal. <laughs>